What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking? It's true, Jason and Erica, owners of Distilled Bath & Body, created pit liquor. You heard me right, pit liquor. It's an all-natural deodorant that actually works. Ramona found pit liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life. Pit liquor is wonderful. They save my underarms. No more sweaty, itchy underarms for me. So I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smell, I guess, away. Pit liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across pit liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their product. So the difference between pit liquor and other natural deodorant is I do not stink. <laughs> I've tried several, several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But Pit Liquor for me lasts all day. Pit Liquor's risk-free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented today by Inwego, as always, the subscription that can get you into almost any of it in Denver with promo code BSN50, Thursday edition of the show. I'm Harrison Wynn. Christian Clark is not across the table from me, as he normally is. Today, joined by Andre Simone, BSN Denver. What's your official title? Head of (sighs) analytics, analytics czar... No, no, I would love for it to be analytics, are, but the official title is head of analytics. Yes. Yeah. So Sounds head of very a- official. Yeah. yeah. Head of analytics over at BSN Denver. And we'll talk some analytics today and we'll dive into DPR, which is Andre's brainchild, I guess you yeah. could say. And we use it in a lot of different ways over at BSN Denver with our grades for our nugget stuff and throughout all the different sports. So we'll hit on that and, you know, talk some nuggets as well. I think the last time you were on the podcast was over the summer when we were talking about the draft Draft season. Yes. Yeah. We were amazingly right about a lot of that. We were. I I still don't know how four teams missed on Luka Doncic. I'll never know. We can get into that. It's uh, it was all about Greek freaks, brother playing him in the Euro league for Panathinaikos, and people started saying, oh, well, against N- NBA athleticism and length, he's going to struggle a little because he had one off game. You know, he played like 100 games all the last year. Right. Just one off game, and we were like, nah, he, he can't do it. And didn't think like, oh, the spacing of the NBA will help him and right. his shot selection and 
all went wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a ridiculous argument from of the course. beginning because the EuroLeague is so much more comparable to the NBA than oh, colleges. Yeah. Right. And like, how can you say a guy is struggling against NBA athleticism in the EuroLeague <laughs> right. when really those players are you know, kind of more comparable than the guys he's playing against in college right. or he would have been playing against? And he was doing things no one had ever done in the EuroLeague, like right. the AAA of the NBA. Right. Yeah, that's he insane. Was, he was the best player in the second best league in the world by a long shot. Right. Like the EuroLeague is closer in competition level to the NBA than colleges yep. to the NBA. And I'll just never know. I'll never know. Welcome to the draft. We talk ourselves out of logical things for like minute details. It's great. What else were we right about while we're on this topic? We were right about Jaron Jackson because I had him too. Oh my gosh. What did you have Jackson at? He was top three. Yeah. I did not think he'd be shooting like this this early, though. Jeez. He's right. been unbelievable. Yeah, that's the thing that's kind of surprised a lot of people. Hit defensively, this is what a lot right. of people thought right. he would yeah, be, what totally. we thought he'd be. Totally. But yeah, offensively, it's been crazy. Oh, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. You were high on Aiton, right? I was. I was. How have you thought he's kind of fared over the I think he's progressed pretty well. He, he impressed me in that Nugs game a couple nights or couple games ago i mean it was fun seeing him and Jokic go back and forth in the fourth quarter and he was making everything i think he's been more of a conventional big man so far what really impressed me i went to boulder to see him live last year and that there might have been a bit uh, a bit of a live viewing bias with me with ayton yeah also um, cu does not have the best bigs that right, could go totally, up against him totally <laughs> but they were playing with twin towers and he was forced to guard like wings and that really impressed me his potential defensively and his feet and the fact that he could step out and hit, you know, Jays from the elbow or free throw line with ease, yeah, just natural shooter. And that's what I think we need to see more of in Phoenix for him to really take off. You know, now, that second quarter was unbelievable. Oh yeah. Incredible. <laughs> it's one really. of the best quarters I've seen out of any player this year. Yeah. Not even you know, talking about rookies. Yeah. He, he's been good. Um, it's going to be tough to get a real grasp on him though, until Phoenix, yeah. Starts playing some winning basketball. It's so tough yep. to evaluate guys on teams like that. Absolutely. So we'll see. We'll probably have you on for some pre-draft pods this summer. Although Denver doesn't have a first-round pick as of now, but I don't know. I kind of enjoy talking about second-round guys. And based on how the Nuggets have drafted right. in the second round, we should probably be paying attention to those guys maybe more than the first round guys. In Denver, the second round is actually all that matters. Right. Forget the lottery or first round. Right. We yeah. did lose a guy who both of us were excited to watch this year. We were both excited to go up to Boulder and watch him live. Oh, uh, I know. Bull Bull was out for the year. Awful. How high were you? Are you high on Bull Bull? I'm in. I'm. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm intrigued too. I think it's a wide open field after the top four, and Bull Bull would have been one of my leaders in the clubhouse. Um, I mean, I can't believe that Manute Bull's son is shooting threes with ease. You know, that's really intriguing. Mm -hmm. But then again, I know you've kind of helped me uh, back off a little <laughs> because I know you have some defensive concerns there. Yeah, a lot of defensive concerns. <laughs> right. I forget who wrote the article. It might have been Sam Vecini on The Athletic, uh -huh. but the headline was, or maybe his lead was, I think Bobo might get a GM fired. And uh, I yeah. agree with Sam. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think if you're taking him in the top 10, uh, GM's not going to get fired off of one pick, but uh, 
I just have a lot of concerns about him right. defensively. I mean, how good can you really be guarding the pick and roll if you're that tall and that skinny and yeah. move like he does? Well, and it's what makes, like, Jaron Jackson such a freak. Yeah. And even what Jokic has done this year, like, being able to hedge and stuff has been so impressive because mm-hmm. it's just – it's hard for non-freakish athletes to – to be required to switch on pick and rolls. I mean, the NBA game in 2018, 2019 now is just out of this world. You're putting so much stress on those athletes. Right. And the fact that there's these freaks out among us that can do that kind of stuff is it blows my mind every time. Yeah, it really is crazy. So who's your who's the consensus top four right now? Because you've thought about this a lot more than I have in the draft. It's Zion, Zion. R.J. Barrett. Yep. Cam Reddish. Right. Who's the fourth? Nasir Little. At, okay. Um, okay. UNC. Nasir Little. Yeah. He's the guy who's not getting a ton of playing time right, right now or right. Sh- isn't getting as much playing time as he should. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And well, he's well, a little raw. He's kind of like, uh, he reminds me a little of Ananobi. Okay. He's kind of like a bull in a china shop, you know. And okay. Would benefit from some NBA spacing and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about the draft a lot oh, more. Yeah. Once so. the uh, regular season ends, and hopefully any, for the Nuggets' sake, it doesn't end for a while. Any chance I get to talk about Zion, call me up. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm all in on that kid. You think he's going to be a bona fide star? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to what extent is he's just like six foot nine, 280 pound Vince Carter, or is he like mm. poor man's LeBron? I don't quite know. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think one way or another, he's going to be incredibly marketable and like get a max deal and yeah, yeah. Be, be a top three guy on a, a playoff team for sure. I've said this on the podcast before, so listeners are, are going to hear this for a second or third time, but I'm praying Williamson goes to the Knicks. I need him in oh New York. I need him in the <laughs> garden every night. I need that hyperbole every time the Knicks play. I want that East Coast bias. Yeah, I want that buzz around the Knicks if Williamson was to go That there. would be amazing. With Kevin Durant? Oh, huh? man. I don't know. Kristaps, Zion, right. and Durant. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that'd be that'd be a fun little trio of versatile forwards. Yeah. I like when the Knicks are relevant. I think it's better for the league. It's like never happened in our lifetimes. Right. Or like kind of with Pat Riley, but I don't remember those days. And Well, the last time they were somewhat relevant was really before they got mellow. Right before mm-hmm. they got mellow. Yeah. They had that team around Amari. Yeah. Ray Felton amazingly played yeah, decent the Jeremy Lin thing right. happened. Oh, yeah, Lin Sanity. And then Mello got there, and they kind of gradually went down. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. was probably the last time they were quote-unquote relevant. Right, right. So. Yeah, it's true. It is funner when the garden's buzzing, though. Yeah. So we'll see. Let's jump into DPR, though, because yeah. listeners of this podcast have heard us talk about it a lot. I'm sure some people out there are l- still a little bit unsure of, oh, of what course. it exactly entails. Of course. Would you compare it to PER in the way that it's kind of as close as you can get to an all-encompassing stat? Mm-hmm. It, obviously, it's not perfect. There's still It's still really tough to measure defense and defensive impact. It really um, is. With, with all these all-encompassing stats. But it's all-encompassing kind of like PER, but... Right. The cool thing about it is you can apply it to a game-by-game basis, right? Yeah, that's what makes it unique. Mm -hmm. And we're also putting it on a a scale that I feel is a little more translatable. You know, sometimes, I know for the average fan, like, 
what's a 20 PER? What's a 15 PER? You know, how, how great is a 25 PER over a 30 PER, you know? Um, and this is a more on a scale of one to a hundred, of course, to average in the hundreds is impossible. Those are like historical games. We've had one such game above a hundred all year for the nuggets. Right. And it's when Jokic had, was perfect from the field for right. 35 points and got a triple double 35 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, a plus 29 in 31 right. minutes. And that didn't miss second a shot. game against Deandre Ayton and Phoenix. Right. Who I have a feeling he loves to go up against, but sorry, go on. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, that's the high standards you need to hit 100. Um, but I think that scale um, is is there and might be a little more translatable. 50 to me is kind of your average replacement level player, and you can be above that. You're doing a pretty good job, and you far exceed that. You're really playing at an extremely high level, and you're consistent. And what I love about it is maybe a little differently from PER is that it measures efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, for a while, the guy that helped me develop it, um, Andrea Cornaglia, who's not helping out with the team too much. He's had other work come up. Wait, um, say that name again. <laughs> Andrea Cornaglia. Okay. Fellow compatriot. Um, okay. Yeah, we had to scout in Italy to get some PR assistance. That's a, or some DPR assistance, rather. Um, he, he hated that uh, there was this one game Moutier had last year where he scored like a really high DPR score mm -hmm. and he'd played like less than 10 minutes. But the thing was his plus minus was eight, I believe. Okay. He was three for three from the field, um, a plus eight, like basically he came in, scored all the points. No one, the opponents didn't score against right. him and it measured that efficiency really highly. And, that that's definitely a fluke, but I love that with like players like Monty Morris this year, it's really rewarded how efficient he's been. You know that mm -hmm. turnover to assist ratio gets um, rewarded, and the plus minuses get rewarded, and we even take into account like free throws made for wings who we want to be aggressive and get to the stripe and get those easy makes. That's taken into account to uh, into account. Uh, we take into account other advanced stats like game score, offensive rating, defensive rating, usage percentage, um, effective field goal percentage rather than your conventional shooting percentage uh, because that, you know, rewards three-pointers higher than just a make from two and that kind of thing. So we're trying to make the all-encompassing metric for modern basketball to me. Right. And, uh, you know, it's still in its infancy. It's definitely not perfect. There's more I'd like to do with it, but... I think the numbers have shaped out pretty nicely for the Nugs this year. Yeah, so 12 different statistical categories, yeah. right? Yeah, And we use the DPR grade, which stands for Dynamic Player Rater, um, on all our grades. Mm -hmm. So we do grades. You put the grades together after every game, typically. And right. we use that DPR score to say whether this guy was an a, had an A performance or a B performance on, right. or a C, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's a cool tool that we've used this year. And I like what you said about how you're able to account for guys who don't have as big of a role on a night's night basis as right. Nikola Jokic. Like right. Monte Morris might come in and play 27 minutes against the Lakers. Right. That game in L.A. where really nobody on Denver had too big of a showing yeah. uh, back on October 25th. And Morris goes out goes out there, scores twenty points on six and nine shooting, 
two of two from three, six of six from the line, three rebounds, seven assists, three steals. He was a plus three in 27 minutes, and he scores an 82.62 right. on the DPR scale. That was good for the fifth best individual performance of the season. Right, which may, I mean, it surprised us when we were putting this data together for a great piece you wrote. If you haven't checked that out, go to bsndenver.com and look at that piece by Harrison. Um, I think it surprised us both to see that Morris was in the top five. But then you look at it and it's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't he have? Yeah, I'm glad he did have one that registered in the top ten because there's been some games this year where... He's been dynamite. Right. And yeah, right. the piece Andre is referencing, you can find it on BS in Denver, but it's pretty much just a list of the top 10 individual performances this season by a Nuggets player per DPR. And I put it together after Murray had the 46 point <laughs> right. night a few nights right. ago in Phoenix, which came in number two overall uh, behind Nicole Jokic's perfect triple double yeah. in Phoenix. But I think for. For me, Monte Morris, he's got a case as maybe the third most important player on this Nuggets team this season behind Nicole Jokic and Paul Millsap. We were going to talk about this a little later, but I'll just bring it up now because of how he's capped in the bench unit this year. And if you look at the bench last year or this year, Last oh. year, you had no idea where you would get getting right. from that group on a night-to-night basis. Right. This year, it's been arguably the best bench in the league. And for my money, the best player on that bench unit from game one to now mm-hmm. is Monte Morris. So I don't think it's crazy to say he's been the third most valuable guy for Denver. Yeah, Jamal Murray scoring almost 20 points a game now. Right. Right. Uh, Gary, he's been in in and out of the lineup, but you know he's so solid as always. Yeah, I think Monte has a real argument there. So I was glad to see at least one of his games show up in this top ten. Yeah, totally. He does have the highest DPR from the bench and is sporting a plus one hundred one this year, which is also the best. That's mark crazy. From, uh, yeah, is that the best mark on the on the bench? On the bench, Jokic is. Probably the best plus minus, right? Uh, yeah, one forty nine, which is insane. Paul Millsap second, one thirty five. Who's got the second best plus minus on the bench? Is it Mason Plumley? Plus forty four. You know what? It's looks like it's Lyles. Interesting. Well, it you know the thing is Juancho has gone back oh, yeah, and forth. Tough. You know, um, so if you. If you classify Juancho as just a bench guy, he would have the second highest. Beasley actually um, would be right there as a pure bench guy. Plus 73 on the season. But it helps when you're winning. (laughs) Yeah, Beasley's been great. Yeah, uh, he's been amazing. So those top 10 individual performances, let's run down this list again. So like I said, Jokic has the best DPR of the season for that perfect triple-double in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Jamal Murray second for that 46-point game. Third was Jokic when he scored 37 against Brooklyn. Yeah. Fourth, Murray when he had 48. And I actually right. like that DPR slotted the 46-point game well ahead of the 48-point mm-hmm. game because the 46 points Murray had in Phoenix, he did it so efficiently. So efficient. And, and dished out more, re- more assists too, right? I thought it was a much better yeah. game than he played yeah. against Boston. Right. So I thought right. those were uh, pretty appropriate. I mean, any other games jump out to you here when when just looking at the top 10? Wancho's got a couple in here, which I thought was pretty oh, cool. Oh, I know. I didn't expect that. I mean, look in retrospect, that game against San Antonio where he went off for 27 and that, that loss, which wasn't a great game, but Wancho played really nicely. 
Um, right, that was that game where Denver missed so many open threes, right? And right. the Spurs were right. doubling Jokic yep. pretty much every time down. Really, nobody could hit except Wancho that night. Yeah, I know. Thank God. And then it's interesting. We have two games from the November 15th game against Atlanta. That's one of Juancho's games that's in the top 10, and that's where Gary Harris made the list, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that game against Atlanta, we might have to put a bit of an asterisk by <laughs> right. those two yeah, scores fair. because fair. the Hawks were really fielding fair. probably a G League team in that game. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the top 10 DPRs, are they should almost be sponsored by Phoenix and Atlanta. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. And Denver, um, yeah, Denver loves to play Phoenix. They play them again here uh, coming up, I believe, right? <laughs> Load them up. Let the boys know that it's a big chance to get to rack up those DPR scores. Right. That's why I thought Denver could actually keep their heads above water here, just projecting these next 15 games out, even though yeah. Millsap and uh, Gary Harris were going to be out for a right. chunk of them when I was doing that like a week ago. It's because they played Phoenix a couple times. They right. played the Knicks, you know, so there were some wins out there yeah, for, totally. for the shorthanded Nuggets. Well, gosh, the more I think about it, if there were any players you'd want to integrate in a hot run like this, they're Gary Harris and Millsap. Right. Like those guys do such a good job of not, you know, not demanding the ball and just fitting in where they're needed and upgrading the defense and all that. Mm-hmm. What scares me is if IT ever makes it to the lineup or something, or Michael Porter Jr. Right. Even Barton to a to a lesser extent, you know. I agree with you. Barton is a much more ball dominant guy yep. than either Millsap or Gary Harris are, mm-hmm. and definitely in that same kind of category as an IT. If right. he's going to work his way back here, yeah, probably too premature to talk about Michael Porter Jr. It's so tough to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even speculate what kind of player he's going to be. I know You would think he'd be kind of a ball-dominant scorer guy because that's who he's been his whole basketball career, but right. I don't know what he's going to be at this level. And that's going back to like a senior year of high school. Right. He's like the ultimate question mark. Yeah, right. for sure. All right, let's hit a break real quick. When we come back, we'll get into some more Nugget stuff, maybe talk some Jokic MVP buzz, Jamal Murray blossoming, and some other notes on the bench that I want to get Andre's take on. We'll be right back. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spanos here and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah guys, this year alone I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. (laughs) If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. Forgot to mention it at the top, but we're recording today here at Sports Column down on Blake Street, a couple blocks from Coors Field. Make sure to check these guys out if you're in the area. Great food, great drinks. Uh, great TVs as well. Great spot to watch college sports on the weekends. 
probably Nuggets games, Avs games yeah. too. Uh, so if you're in the area, make sure to pop on by. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk MVP. I know it's something you want to talk Let's about on today's show. We've spoken yeah. about it, spoken about it a little on these last couple of episodes that Christian and I have done. For your money, for from your uh, perspective, is Nikola Jokic a legit MVP candidate right now? A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, when you're the best player on the best team in the league and you do all the things that he does, I mean, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 20 points, 11 boards, and 8.8 assists. Yeah. I mean, the kind of stuff that we haven't seen since Will Chamberlain from right. a center, it's just unbelievable. And the fact that he's led the team um, you know, through these injuries to keep up these ridiculous standards has been unbelievable. His improvements defensively, I think, are big. Now, there's a caveat. He slowed down for a second uh, as far as a scorer. In fact, I was trying to add up for our grades um, yesterday or whenever that was, add up how many triple-doubles he was he had on the season. It seemed kind of low. Three now. He's got three. Right. It, yet he's had at least two more, maybe it's three more games, where he's gone double-digit boards and assists, but he didn't have the points. Oh, he's come within either – a couple points or a couple assists of a triple-double on right. five or six occasions. So he could very well have seven or eight triple-doubles right now. Right, and I think if he cleaned it up and doesn't have any more scoring slumps like he did in, in kind of a stretch halfway through this first like third of the season or whatever it is, um, then I think he, he should definitely receive some votes. Yeah. Hands down. I'm with you. He's definitely top five right now. He yeah. could have an argument for one of the top spots for sure mm -hmm. because of two things and you just mentioned them the nuggets have been the best team in the league from game one through now yep they're number one in the west uh, they're the best team in the best conference uh, mm -hmm. in the league right now right. and they've really been the best team in the league if you look at just what every team has been able to do from like i said game one yeah until now right and also because of like you also said, how he carried Denver when they were without yep. three of five starters for oh. like a two, three-week stretch. Mm -hmm. They've been without Will Barton for really the whole season and without Gary and Paul Millsap for a big chunk of time here. The thing that sucks about that is when the votes are getting tallied at the end of the season, oh, yeah. nobody's going to remember that. I know. No, that's not going to be something yep. that the MVP voters think about right. when they look at Jokic's resume. Yeah. They're not going to go back through the game logs and click on each box <laughs> right. and say, oh, wow, he scored 34 points in this game. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap and Will Barton right. were out. Not right. going to think about that stuff yeah. at the end of the, of the year. Yeah. They're going to look at a lot of things like team success and you know his numbers, of course, mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter is his numbers, especially scoring-wise, aren't going to stack up yeah. to the Giannis's of the world, the Hardens yeah. of the world. So I agree. He, he's definitely an MVP candidate right now. But there are some factors going against him that are probably going to sure. hurt him at the end of the year, right? I know. It's the points. It's just the points, man. Yeah. That's really all it is. Because if it wasn't for that, he absolutely should be. And maybe the more interesting argument is, is he first team All-NBA? Is he the center on that team? Well, who would it be right now? It's either him or Anthony Davis or right. Joel Embiid, right? Yeah. 
Those are probably your three top centers in the league right now. Yeah. Towns has had a couple good games, but mm-hmm. it's tough seeing him being in consideration yeah, for all NBA first team tier. if Minnesota yeah. continues to slide, which right. I think they will. Oh, yeah, totally. Horford, I don't think he's had the type no, of year that no. would garner no any way. consideration. No um, amount of East Coast bias could get Horford in there. <laughs> right, right. So I think Jokic could have a case for all-NBA first team. Um, I'd still think there's a better likelihood that Embiid takes it home. I know. Or yeah. maybe even Anthony Davis. Yeah. Even if the Pelicans miss the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting argument. I can't remember the last time we've had so many talented big men either. Mm-hmm. That's been unreal. You know, we were talking about Aiton earlier too. Like, that's... That's crazy. You and for- it's it's a great group of MVP candidates too. This it is. This point. It is. You forget about Anthony Davis I because know. he's in right. New Orleans. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think he's long for New Orleans. This is probably oh. his last year once he turns down that yeah. Supermax, which I think he will this summer. But you know, last night for uh A D, a quiet thirty four and twenty six. Oh, he's <laughs> insane. He's insane. <laughs> two two games before that. You know, uh, a quiet forty-eight and seventeen. He's unreal, man. <laughs> I was going to forget say. about him, but the numbers he puts up are just ridiculous. Well, I imagine the Nuggets. If there's anything that's not forgot about him, it's the Nuggets, or you know, right. they're suppressing like bad, bad, bad uh, memories because he's just insane against this team. We have no way to guard him, apparently. But right, uh, here's my yeah. ten guys who are still in the MVP discussion. Yeah. Like, here's guys I haven't crossed off the list yet. I think there's 10 of them. Giannis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and LeBron James. I feel like that's your field right now. Do you have an issue yeah. with any of those 10? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. I think that... Paul George will fizzle out, but I know he's seen as a like top three contender right now. Oh, did you watch that game last night? Thunder yeah. Lakers? Yeah. What a game by Paul Unreal. George. Yeah. Getting booed by the Laker fans right. for not choosing right. them in free agency. Right. I think that was the hardest Laker fans have booed somebody since Jamal Murray last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, to me, John, I mean, as much as I think Kawhi's been amazing, I think... Giannis is just in a class of his own so far this year. Giannis is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. Harden is right there with this run Houston is putting on. Right, right. They need to continue that. Mm -hmm. That scares me as a Nuggets uh, connoisseur. Is Houston the team that you think gives the Nuggets the hardest opponent in the first round? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do, absolutely. I do, too. I They're did this on the podcast. So day, hard uh, to switch on them. Yeah. I yeah. did this on the podcast last week or, or a week before that, but I ranked teams mm-hmm. one through eight that were currently in the playoffs. Yeah. Easiest yeah. to hardest. Yeah. Houston was my hardest team, even though at the time they were in the eighth spot. Yep. It's, I completely it's just, agree. It's it's a matchup Denver hasn't figured out. Right. And I don't know what you think about this, but I think Houston's got a little bit of a mental edge over Denver right now. Where oh, absolutely. When the Nuggets walk out there against Harden, yeah. against Capella. Yep. They're thinking, oh, my God, there's no way we can uh-huh. stop these guys. They, they're just such a tough matchup, yeah. Is there anybody on that list of 10 I just rattled off that – or is there anybody not on that list of 10 
that I just rattled off that you think could work their way into this conversation over the next couple of months? Not realistically. I mean, as I was saying uh, during the break to you, Kemba would have merited to be on that list for how he started off, but he's cooled a little bit, and Charlotte's not that great, and that hurts him. Uh, Aside from that, I can't, you know, and you were saying maybe one of the Celtics guys. Yeah, like you could see a scenario where Boston goes on a run here probably. Oh, of course. Over the second half of the season, and the guy that would probably get vaulted in the discussion is Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Another guy you could look at is Dame on Portland. Yeah, I mean, he I don't, should be on that short list, frankly. I don't see Portland making a run. That's probably the only yeah. reason I don't have Agreed. him on there. Agreed. Everybody else on those teams I could see making a run. Right. Maybe not the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to kind of – LeBron's like automatic right. in there. You got to put him in there, right. especially when he's averaging yeah. like 27 points. And I don't see the Lakers making a run to be like a top three seed, but they're definitely going to be in the playoffs, I feel. Yeah, they scare me too, by the way. I think they were second on my list, actually. Yeah. Ahead of the Warriors. Yeah. Like, I m- might rather – actually, I'd probably rather play the Lakers, but it's close. It's closer than you it think is. in terms it of is. who you would yeah. rather play for the Nuggets – Lakers or Warriors. Right, which is insane to say. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous to say, but truly the Lakers just scare me. It's the LeBron factor. Well, and it's kind of how this team's played at the Staples Center and against the Lakers in the past two years. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they underperform against teams that, frankly, I think they should smoke, you know? Yeah. Nuggets are by far a better team than the yeah. Lakers, but... What's LeBron? funny is Westbrook's not on that list. Westbrook's not on that list. And, and rightfully so, but it just seems like a bit of an oddity, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's forgotten how to shoot the ball I from know. three. It's ugly. And from the line this year. Mm-hmm. The last player who probably can't, but has a slim possibility of walking into this discussion is probably Victor Oladipo. And I mm, only say that. I like that. It's not because his stats are anywhere close to MVP worthy, because right. they're not. Right. They really are not. But, I mean, the Pacers are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're third in the East right now, two games back of Toronto for the top spot. Yeah. You could see them going on a little bit of a run. They're probably one of the more underrated teams in the league right now, don't you think? Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even realize they'd been, they were on that kind of run lately, too. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I do think that list of 10 is probably pretty safe, though. Here's a question oh, yeah. I got for you. You're casting a wide net. I right. Like it. What seed do you think the Nuggets would have to be in the Western Conference for mm-hmm. Jokic to mm-hmm. finish top five? I've asked Christian this question a number of times, but curious to get your take on that. What seed do you think the Nuggets would have to be for Jokic to get some top five love? I think realistically it's to- a top two seed. I agree. If it's a three seed and you're like a game out of the top two, two games out, you know, fine. We're splitting hairs a little bit. But, yeah, I really think it needs to be a top two seed. I agree. I mean, the NBA doesn't respect the Nuggets, let's be honest, you know. And Jokic's stats, him being so unconventional, it makes it harder to make his MVP argument. So you really need the team wins to be outrageously good. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's probably top two. It might even be top one. 
to be quite honest. Gosh, if they're the one seed in the West, he better get some like first place votes. Yeah, he would have a case for sure. Yeah. He, he would have a case for sure. Um, let's talk about Murray. Oh, yes, please. So, like I mentioned uh, in the previous segment, he's had those two big games yeah. that place second and fourth on the top 10 DPR performances of the year. Right. What have you just thought about his year in total? Got off to a bit of a slow start. Oh, his yeah. shooting percentages were obviously mm-hmm. way down. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like he's kind of rehabbed his most improved player resume over Big the last time. month or so. Yes. What have you just thought of his year uh, as a whole? Yeah, I was really disappointed with how he started the season. I was clearly in the camp of, I think Gary Harris is the Nuggets' second best player at this point. Um, and it turns out I just jumped the gun on that because he, in the last month, has proven me wrong every step of the way. What's crazy is um, he hasn't really been 100%, right? You guys have covered this um uh, in depth and in a great way, he has not been at a hundred percent for a large stretch. And you see now that he's returning at a hundred percent, I know he didn't have a great game. Um, the last game they played, you know, came off the 46 points, then kind of had a ho-hum game, mm-hmm. but those two dunks, right. We haven't seen that from him. Like I think his legs are finally getting back. He's getting fresher. He's finding different ways to score and the injuries have helped him more than anyone because it's allowed him and Jokic to do that two-man game, which, again, you guys have covered great, uh, done a great job covering. Um, and it's really allowed his game to take off. Yeah, the health part is interesting because I'm still not sure he's fully healthy, which might be the scary part. Oh, yeah. That ankle is still oh, really yeah. bothering him, but he was able to get up for those two dunks the other night. I, I couldn't believe it. He's the type of guy that doesn't really think about pain once. Right, right. Like, ball tips off yeah but um yeah he's been really good over these last couple weeks and the injuries like you said they've kind of forced him and Jokic to figure things Mm -hmm. out because that was one of the big things that they struggled with at the beginning of the year that two-man game I mean how many minutes did I spend on this podcast talking about how Jamal Murray has really struggled making that entry pass to Nikola right. Jokic at the elbow. Right. Yeah. And we're not talking about that no. anymore. They've really figured that stuff mm. out, it seems. That's their bread and butter. Well, and I think that's another development in this game that has kind of gone unnoticed. He's averaging 4.9 assists mm-hmm. while putting up 18 points. He's doing a nice job of distributing and facilitating, and that's what I liked in the last game, too, where he was you know, somewhat off uh, as far as scoring, but then was able to make up for it against the Knicks by still dishing out five five assists and, you know, getting to the rack. And he just seems more comfortable. And, you know, everything's kind of coming together for him. And you forget this kid was born in 97. Right. He's been, like, barely able to get a drink legally, you know. And, uh, yeah, he's – I've been really impressed with how he's developed – and I do worry a little with some of these other guys coming back that that's going to take some of his shine away from his offensive game. You know? Like maybe he's going to have more of these eight points on mm-hmm. four of 12 or four of 10 shooting right. Right. nights going forward. Right. When he he just needs to be assertive. And if his shot's not falling from deep, get to the rack, you know, just keep well, keep 
was playing a well-rounded offensive game. That's what's really stood out to me. I think the Nuggets are going to be at their best going forward when they're at full health. When mm-hmm. Jamal is scoring, I'll say between 17 and 24 points a game. Yeah. Because yeah. it's funny. You look at the 31-point game he had against the Spurs. You look at the 46-point game he had against Phoenix. Both those were close games. Yeah. It's not like Denver yeah. blew out the Spurs or the Suns right. in either of those games. Right. And you know, obviously, Jamal had to do that because the Nuggets don't did not have a ton of offensive firepower without right. Millsap, who was back for that Phoenix game, but came off the bench, and without right. Gary Harris for both those games. Uh, so he needed to pick up some of the slack there. Yeah. But going forward, I mean, do you think he's the Nuggets are going to be at their best when you know he's kind of in that 20-point range? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to see more games like that Dallas game uh, halfway through December where he put up those 15 assists. Right. And that's the Jamal Murray I really think we – we haven't even come close to see yet, but he's got that in his game. Yeah, He can be that distributing point guard on top of the type of scorer he is. And I don't know, have you felt like his... Because I know in talking to Christian, well, he'll pop by the offense, you know, I'll pepper him with questions. And when we were both kind of waiting for Murray to break out, he was talking about the, the quick twitch ability to get open and buy himself space, you know, to get his shot off. Has he improved in that, or is it just that his his IQ and he's doing so much more where it's becoming less of an issue? Yeah, the, the quickness thing is something we've talked about a lot. Yeah. He doesn't have that natural shake that right, totally. a Steph Curry does or a Damian Lillard does, the two guys I most often compare his mm-hmm. game to. Right. I don't know if he's improved in that area um, over the course of the season. Well, maybe it's something he can improve a little bit. He can gain a little bit of quickness with the ball in his sure. hands when he gets healthier. Uh, maybe that's something you do more over the summers. Right. I'm right. not sure. I think it's just mostly been his three-point shot falling and just growing more comfortable with Jokic in the two-man game and growing more comfortable as a classic point guard. It's funny. His go-to move right now mm-hmm. is the step back. Yeah, His step back is deadly right yeah. now. It's yeah. like him and Luka Doncic who rely on their right. step back maybe more than anybody else right. yeah. at the point guard position right now. Like That's his go-to move. If he's able to execute that, it's probably going to bode well for him. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and when that shot's falling, he's really hard to guard. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you, though. I don't think it's that that's improved. He's just become better at finding like spots on the court to get open mm-hmm. in, and he's become a more efficient shooter as a result. He loves that mid-range area, too. I know. Which, when he, when yeah. he's coming off a screen, that 20 to 15, 20 to 18 uh-huh. foot area, he seems pretty deadly from that spot. Yeah. I, that's a tough shot, but you know he's knocking it down more often than not. Yeah, the analytics part of me feels like uh, it's not 2005, Jamal. Oh, like, yeah. Come on. But no, yeah. So Murray's averaging 18.3 points. 4.5 rebounds, 4.9 assists this year. I ran a quick basketball reference inquiry for Ooh. players who averaged 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists in their age 22 or younger seasons. Yes. And those are marks that I think Murray might be able to get to this year. Like he's at 18.3 points right now, but 
know, his game's trending upwards, I believe. And right. even when everybody gets healthy, I think there's a, still a shot he averages 20 a game. And the rebounds and assists, it seems like his assist numbers are going up too. Right. Uh, there's only been 12 players ever to post those numbers, mm-hmm. 25 and 5. Uh, LeBron's done it three times, or sorry, four times before he turned 23. Wow. And Jamal's oh going to turn 22 here yeah. in February. Uh, Russell Westbrook did it when he was 22. Giannis did it when he was 22. Tyreek Evans did it I know, in his I rookie year that. when he yep. was 20. Yep. Best year of his career. Yeah. Hands the down. other guys to do it, Michael, Oscar, T-Mac, Magic Johnson, and Chris Webber. So the wow. types of stats that Murray's wow. putting up right now at 21 years old, soon to be 22, I know the threshold, the 25 and 5, is slightly above where he is right now, but still not a lot of guys that put up these types of numbers. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think that's a realistic projection. That's not when, you know, you're dreaming by projecting that. I think that's fairly realistic to say that's about where a realistic ceiling should be for him. And, yeah. I mean, that's impressive. This The upside to this team and depth has been just in, insanely impressive. Where is the ceiling in your mind for Jamal Murray? Listeners of this podcast are probably tired of me rattling it off my lofty ceiling that I think Jamal Murray can reach. How good do you think he can get in this league? Yeah, I mean, I think he could be a top three point guard. Okay. You know? Because I always say I he's got a ceiling between Damian Lord and Steph Curry. So slightly better than Dame, slightly under Steph? Yeah. Like at Lillard's peak and at Curry's peak, which might have been, I mean, maybe Curry's peak was earlier this season when uh-huh. he just came out of the gates right. guns ablazing. Right, right, right. But I think Murray's got a peak somewhere in between those guys. Maybe more towards Lillard than Steph. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, Right. I mean, Curry, you know, is such a historic shooter that that's almost unfair to put on a guy as a ceiling. And Dame is such an incredible athlete. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Dame has so much more natural shake to his game. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. But, I mean, he's unique. I mean, because those are... Those are the guys who stylistically he fits best in a comparison, you know. I just think he'd be, like, slightly underneath that. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's not much of a sample size because big-time scoring point guards like that are somewhat in vogue right now, you know. He's, like, I don't know, like, uh, to me, he could be a less, you know, the great Steve Nash type of ceiling as far as greatness. So MVP, back-to-back MVP. Back-to-back MVP, <laughs> right. But, you know, stylistically, they're so different. You sure. Know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Again, uh, Steve, not the greatest natural tools, but his IQ developed, such a lethal shooter, you know, and fellow Canadians. So. And Murray's got the X factor when it comes to his makeup and his yep. confidence. and. Yes. Slash cockiness and mental toughness and competitive edge. Yeah, totally. I think that helps him a lot at just 21. Yep, agreed. All right, let's hit another break. When we come back, we'll touch on this bench. I know Andre wanted to chat about the Nuggets' second unit and how good they've been this year. We'll wrap up with that on the other side. We'll be right back.
The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. We're here at Sports Column recording today, downtown Lodo, a couple blocks off of Coors Field. Make sure to check these guys out. If you're in the area, we host the podcast here once every couple of weeks. Always fun to come oh, down here yeah. and host. Great food, great drinks too. Uh, so yeah, check them out if you're in the area. This Nuggets bench has been a huge story this season. Oh yeah. It's one of the big storylines, the big takeaways as to why Denver's gotten off to the mm -hmm. start in my opinion. Yeah. What stood out to you about this second unit? Because as we mentioned a couple minutes ago, last year you had no idea what you were getting from the bench yeah, on a night-to-night -night right. basis. Right. This year at least when Denver's fully healthy and they can play those four guys together with Murray, and that's mm -hmm. been kind of the bench unit you know, right. for most of the year. It's been so impressive. What just has stood out to you the most? I mean, they're just so talented and deep, and anyone can go off on any given game. Morris, as we've talked about, is really, I mean, kind of the driving engine to, to it all. Um, I've it's kind of baffling that they didn't play Juancho last year because he's come out. And, you know, he, he hasn't been perfect. Um, he's had his ups and downs, uh, not always as consistent as you'd like. But he's been incredible. Mm -hmm. um, just a, a real revelation this year. Beasley, I never saw this coming. And this is what we dreamed of with Beasley on draft day, and it's occurred, and it's amazing. So that's it's interesting. Really Why? Why didn't you think Beasley was capable of this? Because I had my reservations about him, too, coming right. into this year. I probably didn't see this type of ascension coming this quickly with him. But right. what did you notice that kind of gave you some pause with him? I just never thought he'd put it together after what I saw the first couple seasons. You know, I I felt like he, he had the scoring talent. He had the athleticism. Was he going to be assertive enough, mm -hmm. you know, that he was kind of like the fifth best player on the bench unit? And how would he able to find his shooting touch? And how was his fit defensively that he wasn't working hard enough defensively to make his natural tools stand out? And he's put it all together, and he's playing his best basketball right now. I mean, he's been on a, a – a mini tear in these last six games, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And, I mean, again, the sky's the limit for him, too. The and sky is the limit. What's crazy to me is this bench unit submerged, 
and been unbelievable. And to me, they're maybe the like number two factor and the Nuggets kind of surprising everyone. You know, they were a hot team coming into the offseason. People were picking them to be like a top five seed, but no one saw this coming. Right. And I think the bench, you could bench and defense have been the biggest factors in that occurring. Right. That surprise occurring. Um, but, you know, they. They've done it all with their bench, despite the injuries, and despite the fact that they traded the draft rights to Donovan Mitchell and have had close to nothing to show for it. <laughs> right. Well, Trey Lyles was uh, solid, I'll say, right. at the beginning right. of the year. He's really fallen off as of late. Yeah. Tyler Lydon, obviously, has not been a factor at all any yep. of these past two seasons. But, yeah, uh, yeah the bench has been impressive. The thing with Beasley, it, it's been one of the biggest storylines over the last couple months. The main thing with him, it's got to be the three-point shooting, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, he, 34% last year, I guess kind of solid, unspectacular, yeah, though. You thought totally. a guy like him with how he was billed coming into the draft out of Florida State, uh, a surefire first-round pick, probably would have been a lottery pick if he wasn't injured in the pre-draft yep. process. Agreed. How his shot looked even, the makeup of his jumper, you thought he would shoot it better than 34% from three. Right. And now he comes out this year – Shooting at 41% on 4.1 attempts per game. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the biggest reason that I can point to as to why his game has kind of opened up here. Fair point. Well, and he was unbelievable against the Knicks just that last game. Right. It was great. And then you've got the intangibles that he's brought this year. The defense. Mm -hmm. He's a really good one-on-one defender because he's super athletic. He's got pretty good hands, I think. Yeah. Good at anticipating the guy he's guarding. Still has a ways to go as a help side and a team defender, as right. a lot of guys do. Right. There's a big difference between being a good one-on-one yes. guy and a good team guy. Yep. And um, you know his ball handling, it's improving, I think. Uh, there's still a lot of things he can improve on. Here's a question I've got for you, and yeah. we've talked about this on the podcast this week too. If you're the Nuggets mm-hmm. and you have to choose between Malik Beasley and Juan Chirin on Gomez long-term, Which is a decision they might have to make a year from now. Both those guys are extension eligible next fall. Who are you choosing long term? Are you choosing Wancho or are you choosing Malik? This is a question that both Christian and I battled with time and time again. Who would you go with? You're killing me, Harrison. It's a tough one. It's a really tough question. They're both so young. They still both have a ceiling they can grow into. Yeah. Who would you choose? It does feel like Beasley's ceiling's a little harder or higher. I would agree with you. And, well, he's a wing. And wings are athletic wings, especially, who can shoot threes and defend are maybe the most premium uh, commodity to find in today's game. So that's the other advantage to Beasley. But we're doing a lot of projection. I think, I mean, in a vacuum, Juancho should be the answer based off what he's done this season. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably Beasley. And it's it's also the fact that, you know, they have had success finding power forwards. They have, though, you know, I like that Juancho can kind of guard somewhat competently both forward positions yeah that's been nice to see he did get burned by kevin knox the other night though yeah yeah i mean he's not an elite defender right that's interesting you chose beasley because i I actually chose wancho did you what's the argument for wancho my argument for wancho is that his skill set fits around Nikola Jokic and gary harris yeah 
Agreed. in my opinion, yes. much better than Beasley's does. Um, I think mm-hmm. Wancho's a slightly more pure shooter than Beasley. Uh-huh. They're both plus shooters, in my opinion, but yeah. Wancho's the type of guy who I could see shooting like 45% from three one day. Right, right. I don't know if I see that with Beasley. Fair. And like I said just before, the skill set Wancho has, um, how he's just a ball mover and the chemistry he has with Jokic, I think it's much better than Beasley's. Yeah. And the underrated factor, and uh, I'm not chiding you for not thinking of this right now when I put you on the spot, but Wancho could be a little cheaper, I think, going Mm. forward than Beasley because I think Beasley's the guy you look at if you're another team maybe throwing an offer sheet out at him and thinking, hey, here's this 6'5 guy who can jump out of the gym. He's got a jumper. He can be a lockdown defender. He looks like uh, a starter. Fair. Just with his makeup and yeah. whatnot. He might be a bit more attractive to other teams. But if I'm the Nuggets, I'm going Wancho. I think you just used my argument for Beasley against me. <laughs> How dare you? Um, I'm all for Wancho. I mean, I had a fit. I definitely agree. He's the better fit by a decent amount to me, you know, and, and projects to be a starter with how their young core is put together much more easily than Beasley does. You that's know? On, that's another reason I took Wancho because there's a path to Wancho becoming a starter here. Uh huh. There's yep. probably not that path yeah. for Beasley, right? Like Agreed. maybe at the three, but he's a tad undersized. I mean, if you're getting away with Will Barton at the three, you could probably get away with Malik Beasley at the three. Right. And you probably don't want to, I don't know. I don't know how much money those guys are going to garner next year, uh, but I'd rather throw it Wancho's way. They've got some big decisions coming up. For sure. It's what happens when you're a talented team. What have you thought of Mason Plumlee's year? Let's stick on this topic of the bench here uh, as we wrap up, but what have you thought of Plumlee's year? I've been so impressed. I mean, they... That front office must feel so vindicated for that Nurkic trade now. Because they got killed for a good year and a half about it. Yep. Um, and I was right there with everyone else, killing them. I, I thought it was a bad trade. And instead, this season, Plumley has proved them right because he's so impactful off the bench but can also play alongside Jokic, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, what he's been able to do in the starting lineup has been massively important for them. The fact that he can play in a front court with Jokic and Juancho has been an added bonus. He's been he's surprised me defensively. I did not expect, you know, the kind of games that he's been able to have. And uh, I mean, I think, you know, again, when you're analytically inclined, you hate these kind of arguments. But I think that having his veteran presence um, has really helped this core. You know, they've played good. They play tough. Like I think he's one of the leaders, and they feed off of that. And you being in that locker room every day can speak to that a lot more than I can. Well, um, he's just a professional. Yeah, absolutely. He's just right. a professional NBA player, and right. that's really valuable in a locker room where you've got so many young guys. Yeah, totally. I mean, think about the team Plumlee started his career with in Brooklyn with Paul Pierce and Kevin <laughs> right. Garnett, you know? Right. Yeah. And uh, he was on those Portland teams before he came to Denver that were really good, too. Right. Uh, so he's... He's just a professional. He's been through a lot. He's played in the playoffs before. He's played in big games before, and right. you've seen that show up this year. The trade was, the trade put Denver in a tough spot, or I guess 
they were in a tough spot when they made that trade right. for Plumley. They had to move on from Yusef Nurkic. Yeah. That was a situation yeah. that wasn't trending well here in yeah. Denver. He wanted out. Denver had to move him. Right. And from yeah. what I heard, the trade market for Nurkic wasn't exactly booming right. at that point. Right. And they saw Portland and Plumley as, you know, a chance they mm-hmm. could get a really good backup center. And I don't think anybody thought when they made that trade that there would be a scenario where Plumley and Jokic could play together. Nobody right. was projecting that. Right. Their argument was, well, off the bench, he can kind of replicate what Jokic does because right. he was like one of the better passing big men in the league. Right. And yeah, it's it's just been it's been incredible. And I thought the trade was so short sighted, and it it's it's was just a good trade. Right. You know. And now they probably have possibly the best starting center and backup center combo in the league. You they probably have an argument, argument for that. Yeah. Who would even come close? I mean, Boston, if you have Horford and Baines, that's right. a good combo. But I that still doesn't think, hold a candle. No, to what I, I still got. think the Jokic Plumley back or front court is better or right. center depth is better. Right. So uh, Denver's in a good spot at that position. Yeah. And they re-signed Plumley to starter money. You know, he's probably right. overpaid a little if you consider yep. him a backup. But, yep. hey, he started a handful of games this year. Right. You know, and part of the reason in paying him from the Nuggets perspective was, all right, we know there's going to be injuries. Mm-hmm. We know he can play against or with Jokic. We can slot him into the starting right. lineup. And we know there are going to be games when Jokic gets in foul trouble and he's going to need to play 30, 35 minutes like a right. starter would. So well, that was their reasoning there. Yeah, I mean, they've been proven right. They, uh, oof. The, how they constructed this team didn't always look like a, a sure thing, but boy, does it look good now. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we should get out of here. We're awesome. running up against an hour. Okay. Appreciate you coming yeah. on. and Always a pleasure. Giving me some analytical insight to DPR and hey. some of these guys. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll have you back previewing some draft content later on this uh, spring and summer. I'll be counting on it. Yeah, you bet. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode recapping this Nuggets-Kings game on Friday. Talk to you then. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. 